You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gifts you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Yoga Magic, everyone. I'm your host, Ashley Sondergaard. I'm so happy to be sharing this time with you. Thanks for listening. If you're new here, Yoga Magic, it's a show all about self-care, self-discovery. Just like yoga brought me to a journey of understanding and loving who I am, I'm here to bring you lots of different tools, practices, and ideas that you can use to find that journey as well. Today's episode is really unique as we're discussing a spiritual philosophy that I didn't know a whole lot about before, and that's the Tao Te Ching. Before we talk about our amazing book and author, Jesse Kanzer and the Tao, I wanted to mention and just recognize that Jesse, in fact, is a Soviet Union refugee. She escaped the Soviet Union as a young woman and is now really teaching peace and healing. And I think, I hope that this particular episode provides you all with some hope with, you know, those prayers that you have in your soul. And I want to recognize just what a horrific moment we're going through right now. Many of us that listen to this show are empathic and we're sensitive people who feel this global pain in a deep and personal way. Perhaps some of us know the families or friends in the Ukraine who are facing the unthinkable right now. I just, again, hope this episode brings you a little bit of hope for someone who has come out of that darkness, someone who literally teaches peace and light through spirituality. I'm sending so many prayers to the Ukraine and the rest of the world right now. And please, 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 everyone, take care of yourself. If the news gets really overwhelming, which honestly, you know, it can, take a step back, slow down, turn inward, and really explore what you can do to cultivate peace within first. Jesse talks about that today, and it's it's just so timely and perfect. Let me tell you more about Jessie Asa Kanzer and her book. So her book is called Don't Just Sit There, Do Nothing, Healing, Chilling, and Living with the Tao Te Ching. And as I mentioned, Jessie is a refugee from the Soviet Union. She came to the U.S. as a young girl and really she struggled with trauma and that like huge shift in life as she came over here into a completely different world. She got older, that trauma manifested into an eating disorder and depression and anxiety. And it was in one of her lowest moments while she was lying on her bedroom floor that she looked over and saw a small book. That book happened to be the Tao Te Ching. This book is from 6th century BC China, and it's the second most translated text behind the Bible. It's actually a philosophy rather than a religion, and it really it shows us and reminds us how to come back to ourselves. So in Jesse's book, she uses the Tao to come up with and provide 47 different shifts, mind shifts, practices that we can utilize to come back to ourselves. It's, it's so practical. It's so inspiring. And in this episode, we talk through those 
shifts. We talk about how to become aware when you might be leaking energy. We talk about connection with intuition and the higher self through stillness and why that's hard. (laughs) We talk about how a butt dial, literally a butt dial, manifested her book deal. (laughs) It was so inspiring. We also talk about energetic and personal boundaries so that we can have the energy and the stamina to actually turn inward, to tune out all of the noise. So please check out Jessie's book, Don't Just Sit There, Do Nothing. You can find her on Instagram at Jessie Kanzer. And a huge thank you, shout out to our show partner, Branch Basics. A quick reminder that if you want to join us for the next monthly Yoga Magic Community event online, it will be on Wednesday, March 16th at 7 p.m. Central Time, and that's Manifestation 101. So we're going to be going over some of the basics of manifestation, how it really works with self-care, and what you can do to get started on that journey right now. It's totally on Zoom. Um, Would love to see you there. It's been a fun opportunity to get to see some of you listeners actual faces on the zooms and then finally make sure you're following along on instagram at yoga magic podcast and i'm at ashley.sondergaard all right let's get to our conversation with jesse kanzer welcome jesse i'm so excited that we've been connected i'm really excited about the launch of your new book and about your teachings around stillness and yeah, I, it's something like I was just kind of telling me before we started recording that I really need this right now. I could use some help in getting still more frequently and being comfortable with that. It's sort of, it's an uncomfortable thing. So thanks for taking the time today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ashley, so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. So I'd love to just start with your background and then in the lessons that you've gathered throughout your life in in this, these teachings that you talk about in your book and and how it led you to writing this book? Yes, that's such a good, good place to start the beginning. Uh, (laughs) Don't, don't just sit there, do nothing is, you know, what I learned in, this is my first book and in writing books, I've learned that the subtitle tells you what what it's really about. Mm -hmm. And the subtitle is healing, chilling, and living with a Tao Te Ching. And it is about how these ancient teachings from sixth century BC helped me on my own journey to healing, to wholeness, and to ultimately to to living in joy. And yes, stillness is a big key to that. But, you know, I was just realizing that uh, a lot of people do ask me, don't just sit there, do nothing. I mean, what does that really mean? Or you can't really get anything done that way. And of course, it's a play on words to some degree. the Tao Te Ching, which is this ancient spiritual philosophy that I lean on, it is very paradoxical. It has a lot of do this, but do this, or do this and don't do this. And, and it talks a lot about how emptiness is just as important as fullness, how the container, it's the space inside the container mm-hmm. that allows us to hold things. Mm-hmm. It's this idea. And so the play on words is about really cultivating doing nothing. And that's not really about sitting or not sitting because it's really about disconnecting from this world around us that's filled with constant stimuli, constant messages, constant noise that is external to our own our own knowing. There's a knowing that exists within all of us. There's a connection to something greater that exists within all of us, but we can't hear it. We can't connect with our inner voice if we don't take the time to shut everything else out. And 
for some people it's in yoga, for some people it's in running. Um, I do a little bit of everything, but it's not about specifically just sitting. The whole idea is about shutting all that crap out of this space, creating space for connecting with the internal power mm-hmm. that we all have. I, I love the like the container reference. And actually, it's Aquarius season. And I don't, I'm really, I love astrology. I love to combine this all. <laughs> I love astrology as well. Okay, good. So Aquarius is the water bearer. It's like, it's the holder. It is the container. And I think of the vastness of that energy of like thinking a little bit differently. Aquarius thinks a little bit outside of the box. Like that makes so much sense. So was there a time in your life that you discovered the Tao or that you really latched onto these these practices, like perhaps an aha moment, or even just a journey that led you to that? Yes, because I did. And as you said that, I was like, oh, lost the beginning. (laughs) It's my job. (laughs) Yeah. But it's also really funny because um, I was obsessing as I wrote the book of like the order of things, the order of chapters. And what I learned from the Tao actually, and from Eastern philosophy as a whole, is there's really no beginning or end. It's rather a flow, a constant flow, an ebb and ebb and flow life is of learning and there's never a there that you get to. So, but I will tell you, but there was a, a discovery of the Tao for me and it actually came from the bottom, from my bottom, mm. which is often where, funny enough, where real power is able to enter us. It's like we crack open and that in, in cracking, in just allowing ourselves to fall we are able to receive what we need to rise back up. So for me, real quick, I I was born in the Soviet Union. I came to America as a refugee when I was eight years old. And that was a tough journey. There was a lot of childhood trauma that I didn't necessarily process because there was no time for that. It was survival. Mm -hmm. And um, a real loss of self occurred for me because I was a certain person. I went by the name of Asa. That was my birth name. I changed it to Jesse in America. I tried really hard to fit in, to Americanize. The two worlds were as different as you can think. I I say it was, you know, going from black and white to Technicolor because this was still in the time of the Soviet Union Mm. with the Iron Curtain, very few choices, very few items in the stores. Uh, All my childhood photos are actually black and white. Um, There was a very limited choice. And then went to go from that to just aisles and aisles of choices. It was a hard transition. Um, Then recreating myself and just throwing away the old self that caught up with me. And what happened was as a teenager, I developed an eating disorder. I suffered from anxiety and depression. And ultimately I graduated college on the outside everything looked perfect because I kept the A's, all the straight A's. I dressed myself to the nines. I, you know, looked so put together that now when I see people that are hundred percent put together, I, I almost know that there's something that's being hidden inside. Cause I, I did that. And so after graduating, being so broken still, I got into on top of that, a car accident, a really bad one. And so then I was physically broken, emotionally broken one day, barely being able to move, but still not being able to leave behind my eating disorder. I was just on the bathroom floor, like a real mess of a girl. 
And I reached for one of the books near my uh, bed. I had tons of self-help books at that point because I was ordering them like frantically almost. And I reached for this tiny one, the Tao Te Ching. It's a really small pocket-sized version. Mm -hmm. Uh, Several decades ago, I still have it. It's really tattered at this point. But I reached for this little Tao Te Ching and it had very simple phrases, very simple. On each page, there's you know, one verse, it's almost like a short little poem. And I started really thinking about what it's telling me. And as I gained my physical strength back, I would walk in the cold and just hear these phrases over and over again in my head. And this was my beginning of the relationship with the Tao. Mm. It like came to you at the, I mean, it was sort of like kismet in a way it was meant to be that you would write next to your bed. I'd love to know just even the the culture and the traditions around the Tao because I don't I don't necessarily know a whole lot about that and sure. where it came from how does one study it is it attached to a religion or can you give us more info on that yeah so the Tao Te Ching is from sixth century BC China um, it is the second most translated book in the world after the Bible oh wow okay so, it is really well known, just not necessarily in our part of the world. Sure. And uh, the philosophy, it is a philosophy. Okay. It asks nothing of us in terms of you have to do this or you have to do this or you have to, you know, you have to eat a certain way. There's nothing like that. It's really about finding your own way. The Tao Te Ching translates as the book of the way. And what I love about it is it constantly brings you back to yourself. And I like to think of myself as someone who now leads people back to themselves. That's what, that's what I do. And that's what I do. And don't just sit there, do nothing. I don't have a formula that will get you to a happy life, but I have suggestions that will get you to connect with yourself. So the Tao Te Ching itself is just simply an ancient philosophy that helps us deal with life and live a simpler, more easeful life. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is Taoism is also a religion. There is a religion, the religion of Taoism. It's based on more than just the Tao Te Ching. It uses a lot of books and it, it, things change. So Lao Tzu, who is said to have written the Tao Te Ching, uh, is by historians thought to be probably an amalgam of different people. It translates, Lao Tzu translates as the old guy. So that's not a specific person. But in um, the religion of Taoism, Lao Tzu is thought to be a deity. So, you know, everything's open to interpretation. The Tao itself, though, the Tao Te Ching itself, this this little book of verses um, has been used as a philosophy for a really long time, just as a philosophy itself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks for that background. Cause I of course. want to understand the, where this, you know, where these come from. So, you know, coming, leading up to this book and, and what the practices and the philosophy that, that helped you write and, and really come up with the ideas, had there been learnings on your own in terms of like practices specifically around the stillness and like kind of breaking out of the mold that is our busy culture (laughs) are like busy as a, I don't know, as like a title where you were like, wow, this is, this is the real magic. And I need to teach people how to do this. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, I would love to. So my book is broken into three sections 
identity awareness creation. The reason I did that, this is not how the, the Tao Te Ching is just 81 smooth verses. I broke my book into sections because I really believe that right now we're so focused on doing, we're so focused in the spiritual world. Uh, manifestation is such a buzzword, manifest, manifest, manifest. We all yeah. want to create the life of our dreams. I didn't want to skip over these really important parts. I think that what folks need to remember is that we create what we are, not what we want, what we are inside of ourselves. So when we're frantic, when we're stressed, it doesn't matter how ambitious we are and how much we want to put out into the world, these great things. We're also creating more frantic energy, more stressful energy, more anxiety. And then we, we continue these cycles, frantic, anxious, stress. And sure, we may accomplish things along the way, but you know what? Most billionaires are very unhappy people. And mm, the Tao Te Ching, right? You know, the Tao asks us, what's more important, money or happiness? So identity is the place where we remember who we are, where we remember that we are so much more than our biography, than uh, the labels we've put on ourselves, the world's put on us, and we reconnect with our internal power, our big source energy that exists in all of us, this this power, uh, you know, the Tao Te Ching refers to it as the Tao. You can call it source energy, the universe, God, Call it what you will, but there's a power that lives within all of us that we can only remember when we get still and re reconnect with our inner voice and block out all of the messaging, but also all of the labels we've put on ourselves. Mm -hmm. We let ourselves, this is why I meditate. And I'm not this ardent meditator that does the same thing every day or the same time every day. It's not that. It's just that I teach people that you can reconnect with yourself even on a super busy day in just moments, in moments of stopping, taking a really deep inhale, a long exhale, and mm -hmm. you can do that multiple times throughout the day to ground yourself again. And so this is the section of identity. Section number two happens to be my favorite awareness because I believe awareness is a superpower. And when you're aware exactly of what's going on inside you, you know, you know that, okay, right now, not so good. Stuff is not, you know, it's off balance. And, <laughs> and you know that when you are there, that's what you will put out into the world. And this, just because I know it doesn't mean I do it, you know, like there are times when I push through and you just create more of what's going on inside of you. So I do know, again, I don't always practice because I'm not a guru, but I do know that when I'm off internally, I should stop and take care of my internal state before I do anything else externally. And mm -hmm. so practicing this awareness, understanding what's going on inside you, and also the subtle awareness of the energy outside of you, to me, that's a superpower. And then the third section of creation becomes just a natural unfolding. I call it manifestation. It becomes, it becomes a natural. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a spiritual dorks play on words <laughs> mm -hmm. and it just becomes a natural. So then manifesting, creating, it becomes a natural continuation of taking care of yourself internally and externally. Um, the Tao itself doesn't give us any practices. It gives us wisdom. Okay. So that it doesn't tell us do this or do that. It just tells us 
it helps us shift the way we think. So, so the Dow, so the Dow uh, helps us shift our way of thinking. And I love the phrase uh, by Wayne Dyer, the well-known spiritual teacher who has passed on. Wayne Dyer taught, change your thoughts, change your life. Yeah. And so what I do at the end of each chapter is I have a do your Dow section where I offer little shifts that can help us connect with ourselves. And you said, is there like one particular exercise or shift that I love. And the truth is because, you know, because I wrote these, I love all of them for different reasons. <laughs> and I tried, you know, I have 47 chapters. So there's 47 shifts that I offer and don't just sit there, do nothing. And I tried to encompass different kinds of people because some folks really want a tangible exercise. And so I have them, I have those exercises, but for some people, if you're really down and I know from my own uh, experience with depression. If you're really down, sometimes exercises are yet yeah, just another thing on your already overwhelmed mind, another thing to add. And so what I offer for those folks is shifts in thinking, easeful shifts in perception. The other thing that, Dowd- that um, Wayne Dyer used to say was change the way you look at things and the things you look at change. So my exercises are a mix of actual exercises, writing or doing, but also there are plenty of exercises. And my favorite happened to be these, the shifts and how we perceive what's going on and how we perceive ourselves. And one of the things that Dow taught me that is really helpful for me is that life is a constant ebb and flow. It's not a, now you do this, now you're done. Now I reach the height and I'm spiritually awakened. Uh, The other thing is, it says, there's no light or darkness, just a constant dance of shadows. So one of the things that really helps me in today's busy, anxious, stressful world is to take off the labels of what's bad and what's good. It's not Mm -hmm. that this constant information, this social media, the technology craze, it's not that it's bad. Right. It's that what I learned from the Tao and from other Eastern teachings is that what we need to cultivate is balance. So it's not about, listen, I am just as, as susceptible to tech addiction as everybody else because, well, where do we do everything, right? We do it on computers, right? And so this helps me not berate myself and say like, oh, the hell, I'm a spiritual teacher who can't disconnect from her phone. What it does is it reminds me there is useful stuff that comes from this. And then there's a place I get to where I'm leaking energy, where I'm not, Mm -hmm. you know, where I'm not no longer in control of my time. And that's, so I'm, this is where the awareness, that second section, my book really comes into play. When you're aware of hey, wait a second, am I just blindly scrolling like without really knowing what I'm doing? When you're aware, you can choose to either intervene or not, but at least you know what's going on. You're not yeah. You're not just a sheep in the herd, you know, because what are these algorithms here to do? They're here to, you know, get us addicted. And get to us sucked us in, in. Yeah. yeah. So I find that when you're aware, you at least know what's going on. And sometimes you choose to not 
give in and sometimes you choose to give in and that's okay. Remember just a constant dance of shadows. So for me, the practice of living a Dallas life is it's a constant, it's a constant ebb and flow. You know, I'm launching a book now I'm busier than I'm Mm -hmm. used to being, but I'm really, what I'm really proud of myself for is really giving myself a lot of downtime in, in a time when it seemed impossible. At first I was so stressed. I was so anxious. I was on this wheel and I was like, I got to do this. I got to do that. I have two kids, blah, blah, blah. But then I was like, no, I don't, I, I get to choose. And you know, Mm -hmm. what's so funny, nothing changed externally. It was the internal shift of taking pressure off myself. So look, I have a calendar. My calendar has a lot of stuff on it. Great. I, when the stuff comes up, I will do it. But I realized, well, this is one way I could stop leaking energy. I could not obsess over these things when I'm not doing them. Mm-hmm. So I come back to stillness as often as I can. Uh, the doubt also says, this is a great little quote from the doubt says, do your work, then step back. The only way to serenity. And so to me, remember, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you three things that are the main pillars of the Tao Te Ching. And then, and then I'll explain how those three constantly work to bring us back to this space of stillness. Um, these three teachings are simplicity, patience, compassion, starting with compassion for yourself. Mm-hmm. So I think what we're talking about right now, creating the stillness, finding the stillness, I think it falls into the simplicity pillar. So in our modern day world, we're anything but connected to a simple way of life, right? And again, we can't change everything that goes on externally. We can't change the complications of geopolitics, for example. We can't change always the complications of a packed calendar. Mm -hmm. But we can simplify our thoughts. So we're not constantly obsessing about the future or ruminating on the past. And we can simplify what we do with our energy. So if we can just keep it in the present, do what we need to do, then step back, relax, do what Mm -hmm. you need to do, step back, relax. Um, You know, so now you're doing this and you're doing your work when you're done you move on to the next thing. What are you doing now? Now you're momming because that's what you have to do. Good. You're done now. And now you're relaxed. And if you can simplify your energy to just the present moment, you'd be so shocked how much extra energy there is just to feel alive. That's so much of it. We think, we think that, you know, we're overscheduled, overbooked, et cetera, but a lot of it is losing energy in our internal state of obsessing and ruminating. So when I got pregnant several months ago, I realized that I had let some not so good habits around the house creep in over the last several years. You know, I was using a few more toxic beauty products than I had in the past. I was skipping the organic foods. And really the biggest one is that I was using just everyday cleaning supplies that were pretty toxic. And let's just say this is a big no-no when you're pregnant, but really all the time. So I did some research and discovered my now absolute favorite cleaning products, Branch Basics. So Branch Basics is a concentrate method. They have just one super clean, all-natural concentrate that you add water to in varying amounts. 
more for the bathroom cleaner, less for the window cleaner. And what's so nice about it is that I know I can use the same safe product for all of my cleaning needs. When I got my first order, I wanted to test this out. I'm like, okay, is this actually gonna work? So I cleaned my super gross fridge head to toe and holy cow, did it work. It was spotless. It was really easy and again, not toxic. I didn't have to worry about it being harmful to me or the baby or my family. I now use Branch Basics for everything from our laundry detergent to washing protos to cleaning windows. It's really that safe. And if you wanna try this out, I recommend getting the premium starter kit. It has all the bottles all of the concentrate and then a little oxygen boost in there as well. So if you want to get $10 off, use the exclusive yoga magic link in the show notes. And that's at branchbasics.com, B-R-A-N-C-H basics.com. And use the link in the show notes to get $10 off. How would that apply? I feel like the pandemic has forced a lot of us to multitask in ways that like are not productive. And, and obviously there's some discipline. I think what, what I like about what you're saying is this like honesty that we have to have with ourselves. It's like that awareness, honesty of, of, is this, am I, you know, leaking energy? Am I setting the right boundaries? Am I compartmentalizing properly? But sometimes it seems like we can't get out of, of the juggling. I'll use example in my life of like, there's kids at home and I still have to do my work. I still have to, you know, do interviews and do the things and I love it. And yet I find that to be the most anxiety inducing to try to live in two separate worlds at the same time. What would be a Taoist mind shift for something like that? So I'll tell you a story and boy, do I empathize with that. And I think, I think every mom and every dad, I mean, every mom and dad has had just to working. Yeah. 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 And people that aren't even dealing with kids. I think this like the multitasking of, yeah, of a post-pandemic yeah. world is weird. Yeah. And you know what? Everyone had their own. Listen, there were different. I think we just had different challenges is all those totally, of us. Yeah. Those of us who have families just had no alone time whatsoever. And then those right. of those of us who are single and who perhaps were living alone, had not enough connection. So we were all, it was just all or nothing. It was an all or nothing existence and still is in some ways. And so I love one of these spiritual teachings is super helpful to me. And I've wrote about it and don't just sit there, do nothing. It's this idea that contrast provides context. So when you're living through a difficult period, because in no way does the Taoist philosophy or any philosophy, by the way, grant you a life without trials and tribulations. Challenge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. That's, you know, that's, that's not the human form that we're in right now that comes with challenging challenges. It's just the way it is, you know, but this idea of contrast pro- provides context made me realize that this is an effing hard time that we're living through. It's hard for different people for various reasons, but when you look at your challenges as just a moment in time, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you won't feel the anxiety in the moment, but you're able to lessen the anxiety around the anxiety. I don't know if that makes sense. The The feeling of like, how am I going to do this? Just know that this is a moment in time. It is not going to be forever. That I know because nothing is forever. And 
there's a story that I tell. Um, I have a chapter called The Tao of Babushka about my grandmother, who's a Holocaust survivor, who grew up in Siberia and the Stalin Siberian camps, who had a really, really tough life. And a story that she always used to tell, um, I'll tell it to you really quick. It's called, I call it the goat parable. It's this, it was this family uh, who lived in a very tight quarters and had no room. And uh, this man went to his local rabbi and he asked him, what am I supposed to do? I just don't have space in my house. I don't have room to breathe. I know this. Yeah. yeah. You know the story. And then I know, I think I have a book, my kids that I read to my kids about this. Yes. Yeah. So then the rabbi said to him, bring a goat home. He brought the goat home. It of course got even worse. Now there's a goat running around this tight quarters. He said, Rabbi, why, why did you tell me to do this? It's even worse now. And then the rabbi said, okay, it's okay. Just bring the goat back to the farm. And he did. And then the next time he came to see this clergyman, he said, wow, Rabbi, this, this, is, this was so wonderful. The house is now so spacious. I have so much room. And so what I say is perhaps what's going on right now in the pandemic um, and what's been going on, what we've had to go through, perhaps it was a lesson, one of the many lessons that it brought us to appreciate what we do have. And now, like like right now, like today, when your child is in daycare, how good do you feel to have time to yourself to do what you yeah. need to do to yeah. not multitask? <laughs> to, to Or you still multitask, but not to that extent. And so it's not always that the hardship disappears. But when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change, when we realize that this is an opportunity to learn, and I may not even know what I'm learning, but I will. It helps you relax and accept the present, relax into the difficult present, if you will. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I've been listening to a lot of just some science around dopamine and just that like when we control the constant um, release of dopamine and we and truly coming from phones, right? And we take away some of that. It's so much, we get it in other places and things like our cup of coffee are like a hug, you know? And I think about these, exactly what you're saying, just more on the like the hormonal side of that pain pleasure response. And we're getting, we're becoming more resilient in a society through all of this, through just these really tough times. So I like that. That's a great mind shift. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, you know, uh, look, I'm 40 now. I'm not saying I'm 90, which is what my babushka is, who's still alive, who tells the ghost parable, <laughs> but, um, I have learned that nothing is forever that, and you know, any mom knows this. You're so, it's so hard sometimes to be a new mom with a newborn. It is so tough. And you think that this, this challenge will be eternal and it's not, it passes. And then there's a different challenge, but this challenge of mothering a new baby for the first time, you know, it's a moment, a moment in time, it's a moment, it's a moment. Yeah. Oh, that's helpful. So in these moments of present and, and that awareness that you're talking about is where, I mean, we know that that's where we ultimately collect to connect to our higher selves. It's our intuition. What do you and your experiences have, like, what is intuition showed up as if you were to describe it to somebody or that like connection to the higher self, how do we know that we've made connection to that? <laughs> 
I love talking about intuition. Thank you for bringing intuition up. I studied for a long time with Laura Day, who is um, a pretty famed intuitive. And then, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. I just recently like learned about her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cool. And so she so graciously wrote my forward and she's actually going to be introducing me at my book launch event and a book launch um, uh, event, free event on the web that we're doing together. So she's really become a, a real mentor to me. And what she teaches, which I think is so great because she has really very honed intuitive uh, capabilities yeah. But what she teaches us is that we each have intuition and it's just that modern day life has veered us away from it in a way. And that when we are able to connect to it, well, you know, magic happens. And the finding of your own intuition is a process because I find, and I'm a really good intuitive, I'm a trained intuitive, I'm a good intuitive I can suck sometimes as an intuitive for myself. Yeah. Because when my desires are so wrapped up with the intuition, it's hard to tell, well, what is my desire? What is my fear? What's the intuition itself? And this again is where stillness comes in. When you're able to block out that constant stream of noise that is not within you, but outside of you, it's really important. This is where awareness comes in again to be able to discern what is your voice and what is someone else's voice? Because they all live in our heads in a way. Right. Like, like, is this your mom talking? Is this you talking? And this is where awareness comes in. When you're able to practice, honestly, it's a study of yourself. When you're able to study yourself, to study how your thoughts work, when you take the time to look at yourself, to connect with yourself, you'll start to realize that's my voice. That's my voice speaking up again. That's that's my internal little intuition guru in there saying, Hey, Hey, do this. And the intuition within us has been speaking to us all along. It's just that a lot of us have not been listening. And what happens is when we do align with our internal voice, call it intuition, um, the external starts to match it. I'll give you a really quick example. Uh, I was writing my book. Don't just sit there, do nothing. I was writing it before the pandemic began. I was writing it. I had the proposal going. Prior to that, I had been published in pretty big things like in the New York Times, Washington Post, et cetera. And I thought, okay, like this is my time. I need to do more than just these personal essays. I want to give people a, a look at the information, this ancient philosophy that really worked for me. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to yeah. share it. Like, my mm-hmm. intention was to share it. And at the same time, despite being published in all these big publications, I had a really hard time getting an agent. And I felt like I was really hustling, really pushing it there and nothing was working. Mm -hmm. So the pandemic started and my kids then were three and five at home, got to teach one, you know, to read because she just was in the middle of kindergarten. The other one, whatever, you know, you know, the story, you know what it was for us moms. (laughs) And I put it all aside because I said, you know, what is the time calling for me right now? It's calling for me to just get in the kiddie pool. And that's where my energy is going to be. And I put it all aside. And one day my younger daughter had my phone because that's what we were doing. (laughs) That was my moment to myself was giving her my phone. And she, she was butt dialing people and she called somebody 
who called me back and she asked me, how's your book going? And I said, it's not, I'm, I'm taking care of my kids. She said, just give me, you know what? Let me just connect you with one person that I think is really going to like what you're working on. And she did. And this agent loved my proposal and everything just went from there. My book sold during the pandemic. And what's so interesting is it became so easeful pre my letting it go and just setting it down and saying, I'm just going to go with the flow. I was, it felt like pushing a boulder up a hill Mm -hmm. and stuff was not working. And after I just released it and I let it go, one thing followed the next, et cetera. And it was just an easeful and beautiful unfolding. It wasn't easy. It was easeful. And what I learned was I had a voice inside me all along. I was, I know how to connect with my intuition. I remember walking into, into a, um, a, a Whole Foods, I think at the time it was a store, um, going shopping. And I said, I just want, I, you know, I asked myself, I asked my intuition, just give me a sign. What am I supposed to do to get this book into the world, et cetera? And I looked over and I just saw organic in big letters, just organic. Mm-hmm. And I knew instinctively that there was going to be an organic unfolding. I knew it. I heard it. I ignored it. And I kept pushing. And two months later, when I let it all go is when things began to happen. And this Mm -hmm. is just one example. It's not that we don't have our intuition telling us stuff is that we're not always listening. Oh, that's a good, that's such a good example. And it was a butt dial. It was a butt dial. It was a total butt dial. It was a butt dial. Like human, really. Oh my gosh. And, but you know, um, that quick example actually is, uh, I will share that really fast because for anyone interested in intuition, that's a exercise from Laura Day herself to ask yourself a question. You can write it down, ask in your intuition, a question. And then just let it go and see what uh, information out of left field comes in that goes like this and just makes you feel like, oh, that's the answer yep. to my question. That's the answer. So you just ask her book, her did book, you? The Circle. Yeah, that's that's why I'm like, where did I? Uh, yeah, I heard her on something. And another practice that I feel like you kind of, you were talking about is that she suggests right away in the morning saying who's in my head, who Mm -hmm. is like, who is the voice in my head today and asking them to leave. And I, that's, whoa. Like I just think about all, you know, and you're talking energy leakage. I mean, sometimes it's people, right. It's people kind of creeping into our, our energetic fields and, and just sucking that energy away. Yeah. Because boundaries are also not something that's Uh, it's not easy for women to create strong boundaries because we've been, a lot of us were raised to be people pleasers Mm -hmm. and we need boundaries both in the physical sense. Like we need boundaries with people, but we also need boundaries in our heads. Like this is my energy. You center yourself, you bring yourself back. You know, uh, Laura teaches this great practice of embodying, embody Mm -hmm. yourself, embody your the greatest version of yourself. And I use this practice and I wrote about it and don't just say there, do nothing. I use this practice a lot. Um, another way of looking at it is fake it till you make it kind of, yeah. I, or um, some people call it thinking from the end. Who is the person that already has whatever it is that you're yearning for? Who is this person? And why can't you just be that person now? You can, you can practice being the person who already 
has published her book. And I was doing that way before there was a completed book. You know, as an example, you can be the person who already has her beautiful family and practice what that feels like before you maybe even met your partner. Mm -hmm. What did you, how did that look like for you? Like, how did you practice that? Can you give me some examples? Sure. Um, And I will actually, being that we happen to be talking on Valentine's Day. Oh my gosh, uh, you're right. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Oh, who cares? Right. No, but (laughs) I, you know, I'll, I love, I have a chapter in Doja Said There Do Nothing called Humiliating Love Story. And I was a love addict prior to meeting my husband and dealing with all my shit. I was, mm-hmm. I have an addictive personality in general. And so I had a food addiction. I had, um, you know, this uh, dealt with bulimia for many years. And when that was healed, because unless you heal the underlying problems, it just manifests as another addiction and became a, a love addict, like a real obsessive. And the process of healing that was really amazing and probably the most transformative process that I went through. And I would, that's when I first really started incorporating meditation into my life and sitting there meditating. And I was practicing embodying a person who was in love, loved, loving in a loving relationship. I was practicing that before I met my husband. And what I would do is I would sit there and uh, listen to various Sanskrit chants. And I would hold the rosary, um, rose quartz rosary in my hand. And I would Mm. just imagine, I would just cultivate the feeling of I am safe. I am secure. I am in a safe and loving relationship. I felt myself enveloped in love. I felt myself giving all that love that I had. And I just felt what it felt like to be that person. That's what embodying meant for me. Mm-hmm. And as I went out into the world, I went online dating, etc. Very quickly, I met my husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, it was the practice of, instead of just writing down the list, which I did that, that stuff too, but instead of writing it all down and just having it be an external thing, it was internally experiencing what it was like to be in a loving relationship. And actually, I just remember that Laura uh, tells it that before she met her husband, she would dance in her living room and just imagine dancing with her beloved. Oh, right. That's very Joe Dispenza. I like yeah. that re- that idea of like mental rehearsal yes. of feeling the feelings of your, your future essentially. And it, yeah. That's well, cool. and what's time even, you know, time is, is an illusion. It's not linear. And really, there's no reason you can't feel the future because we sure ruminate in the past and we can feel our past humiliations. Yeah. (laughs) So we can feel our future happiness too. We can bring it into the now. I'm glad this is where we landed because actually like it all (laughs) so cool. It pulls it all together and I I cannot wait to read your book. I'm so excited for it to come out on March 1st. This will air a little bit after that. So everybody can have access to it right away. Can you tell them where to find you, where to find your book? 
Of course. So jessiekanzer.com, J-E-S-S-I-E-K-A-N-Z-E-R.com. I know it's going to be in the show notes, but just in case someone's driving. So jessiekanzer.com is where all my information lives. Uh, the book can be ordered on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, an indie bookstore, but I have all the links on my website. You could also just search for Don't Just Sit There, Do Nothing, and it'll pop up everywhere. I think Target has it as well. And um, I'm at jessiekanzer on Instagram. And I'm do your Dow. Uh, I'm sorry, the daily Dow on TikTok. But see, this is why I start messing it up. So I should just say jessiecancer.com, which has all the information. <laughs> it's all your face. I'll yes. link it all up yeah. for people. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Jesse. This was so fun. Thank you. It was a wonderful, wonderful conversation. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Thank you to Jesse for sharing your amazing insight on this episode for telling us more about your book and the Tao Te Ching. You can grab Jessie's book, Don't Just Sit There, Do Nothing, with the information in the show notes, and be sure to check her out on Instagram. We will see you next week, everyone. Follow along at Yoga Magic Podcast, and I'm at Ashley.Sondergaard.